There are more identity threats than you realize. Even if you monitor your credit, only a little personal info needs to leak out. Like your social security number or password. Or you to become a victim. LifeLock alerts you to threats you could miss. If your identity is stolen, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions, but everyone can save up to 25% off their first year. Go to LifeLock.com aware. What's up, everyone? This morning, Saturday morning, 7 a.m., a live stream at 7 a.m. on the East Coast. And if you think it's early out here, you can't imagine what life is like for my co-host here, Jim Monas, out there in Las Vegas, Nevada. You got to run the math, bust out the calculator to figure out what time it is out there, Jim. What are we looking at? 4, 4 a.m.? The good thing, Tyler, as you know, if you've been to Vegas, there's no such thing as time. I don't sunlight helps. The the sunlight usually gives you a key, but at the casino, anybody that sat at those blackjack tables for a long run, there are no clocks, there is no sunlight, it's the same temperature all the time. So you can lose track of time out here. But hey, why not? A little fatty free agency Saturday morning, live stream. We're getting after it. I like it. Yeah, but when do you sleep? I mean, you've got to work and sleep at some point. So while I, have you're working. Assignment, I have the tough assignment in the XFL of covering the um, Vegas team in the XFL. So I'm not too Brutal. upset about that. So, yeah. So, you know, we got a football game here this evening in Vegas. And before that, though, you have to take up some time. I like it. I like it. What yeah. How does it work? I've never way. been to Vegas. Are people just people awake all the time? It just. There's, we'll talk about that. There, there's the Vegas, there's the, there's my Vegas, and then there's Vegas with your spouse. And it can be a very nice Vegas. You know, you can do the Vegas that I do where it's a little, you know, I'm not sure I'm in Vegas because I'm just at a blackjack table and I'm looking at the sports book and, you know, that's my Vegas. Your Vegas could be shows, restaurants, showing Gina a great time. So there is that nice Vegas, too. I'm basing everything off of Vegas vacation, honestly. I'm just picturing a buffet with a big bucket of something that's yellow, a big bucket of something that's blue. And you only need one plate. You only need one plate at all-you-can-eat buffets. So you know that. He had, he had the best line in Vegas vacation at breakfast with his family. He said he had a great idea. He said, today is going to be a lone day. Everybody do Everybody do your own thing today. He just like spread it back to the table. <laughs> wildly, wildly underrated movie. It's just it's a great. It kind of gets lost in time, but it's a. It's all, I think what? it's like a cult classic at this point. You and I can agree on that. I, not I'm with you on that. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, you know what? We just figured we'd uh, reconvene, talk some NFL free agency. We've hit on the big topics uh, at GoLongTD.com this week um, via the written word and the podcast. Aaron Rodgers and the New York Giants, Buffalo Bills doing some things. I'm not sure where we want to start, Jim. There's a ton that we want to get into. And by the way, this podcast is always fueled by our good friends at Fatty Beer Company. So make sure you get on in there. Pick some up. Pick up some IPAs, sours, seasonals, a little bit of everything. Thinking Chris got you covered. Where do you want to start, Jim? I I, I know we uh, we we BS'd a little bit before we hit live. I, I'd imagine we, we we could always talk Aaron Rodgers because there are so many angles to the appearance on Pat McAfee, which it, I mean they kind of just keep jumping in my mind. I mean, I, the the ninety percent retired into the darkness for one is should be a conversation unto itself. Uh, But let's start somewhere else. Let's get into something else first. Where do you want to go? Well, I think you did a nice job on um, highlighting a little bit what the Giants have done. And we haven't really got a chance to talk about it. I know you have a little bit, but I'm with you on that, with what the Giants are doing. I like that they're 
so many so many GMs and coaches come into their new team, and the easiest thing to do is blame the old regime. Hey, that wasn't our guy. Move on. That wasn't our guy. Move on. But that can that can handicap you as far as salary cap goes, depending on what those contracts are, or are you losing good players? Now you have to find good players. So you're just spinning a wheel. You're not really getting better. What the Giants are doing is building a little bit off of the positive season they just had. And that goes, that's good in the building. And they're not just doing that for the culture and good in the building. They're doing that because they've seen enough in Daniel Jones that they think they can work with him. They think there's more improvement coming with Daniel Jones. They're the ones that they should be able to tell us that because they did it with Josh Allen. Brian Dable saw Josh Allen improve, and he's seen enough in Daniel Jones that thinks he can take another step. They got Barkley at the price they wanted, so they're keeping the nucleus together of talent. They're going to build around that. I like what the Giants are doing, too. Waller, obviously, is – you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about the tight end position with the Giants because Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram they lost to Jacksonville. He's a good player. He didn't work out for the Giants. I'm not really sure why. Um, it never really fit for him. I think there were some injuries with him, too. I don't think he ever just was consistent with the Giants, so they moved on from him. But he's a weapon. Waller, obviously, is a little bit better weapon than, than Ingram. That's that's a big-time pickup for a team that they need receivers. They need tight end's best friend. You've done the book on it. So Waller is a weapon for Jones, right. And I think that's a really interesting thing that the Giants are doing. Now, we know they need to build that defense. And that division, that NFC East is getting real. I mean, they have a team above them in their own division. We always used to say the first goal every year in the offseason, let's make sure we're the best team in our division. You know, let's lock that up. The Giants can't say that right now. That division is tough with Philly up top. So they have to, they have to really fight to make the playoffs. Well said. I agree on all fronts. I, I think that we tend, and th- th- this is the kind of the way I led that story. I mean, you were you were in that in that seat, right? I mean, you're you grew up a scout living out of Marriotts, busting your ass, sacrificing everything, <laughs> and I can't, I just can't imagine what's going through a Joe Shane's brain when you get your chance at running your team and picking your quarterback. And to have the restraint to really evaluate Daniel Jones for a full calendar year, you know, even beyond the games, they, they really saw how he works behind the scenes, how he approaches the job. I mean, Brian Dable making practices help by just giving the play sheet to Wink Martindale. Here are the plays we're going to run. Stop them. And you know that he's going to stop them. And you know the New York market is going to – run with it because it's by design. You you want them to, to think that Daniel Jones isn't that good in training camp and you want to see how he reacts to it. I mean, there's so much that went into this. I, I just give them so much credit to really give Daniel Jones, if not a fair shot in terms of here are stud wide receivers to throw to in year one because they couldn't do it. They had no money. <laughs> they had nothing. They were just trying to survive uh, with what Dave Gettleman did at the salary cap. Um, but they they gave him a fair shot to be the guy, and I'm sure Daniel Jones was was pissed off that they didn't pick up that fifth year option a year ago. But hey, it all worked out for him. It worked out for the team, and this is the epitome of a compromise to me, where it's not the four year, 160 million dollar contract that's reported. <laughs> it's not. It's it's a couple years at hey, that's the going rate. To me, $40 million for a season for a quarterback to grow with the best teacher of the position in the game, Brian Dable, is worth it every time. Because it's not like you're just paying Daniel Jones. You're believing in his growth under Brian Dable. And I remember Isaiah Hodgins, and I think I even put our conversation here in the podcast feed, the way he broke down this offense, it's like everything that a Greg Roman passing game is not. (laughs) I mean, option routes all over the place. Um, it's so wide receiver friendly where you have the ability to change your route after the snap, but it's, you better know what the hell you're doing and your quarterback better be on the same page. And there's concepts based off of that. And everybody here in Buffalo remembers how one play kind of sets up the next and the next and the next with Brian Dable 
I mean, there, there's a rhythm. And by the way, he doesn't even call plays now. Mike Kafka, I mean, that's that says a lot about Dayball too, I believe. It's just, it's unbelievably complex and complicated. And I think the foolish thing to do is to just, you know, let Daniel Jones start, take all these strides, improve through the year. You know, what he threw for... 3,300, ran for 700, scored 22 touchdowns, five interceptions, and then just throw all that away. Like developing and seeking improvement out of your quarterback and your offense is a good thing as an NFL franchise, even if you weren't the one who drafted him, which to me says everything I need to know about Joe Shane, the person. 100% agree with that. The easiest thing to do is for them because it actually would buy – it can buy you time. Like you say, as a GM, sometimes you get in that seat and Hey, this was their quarterback. You know, we have a free year let's just play him. Then we can move on. Then it's our guy. And we get another free two years to evaluate him before we're on the clock. You know, we always say, when are you officially on the clock? And uh, I think, I think the giants are prepared for this season. Uh, they, they obviously feel confident in what they can accomplish offensively with Daniel Jones. The one thing I will say, and we've said it a lot on this show, I'm not a huge believer in Jones as the answer, but I do believe it. It's similar to what we went through in 17 in Buffalo when we were, when Sean was just hired and Sean, do you want to put your stamp on the organization right now? Take a quarterback. Or do you want to stay with Tyrod, you know, see if we can get a little bit better with Tyrod. We know we have a good defense, but things in place. Um, and, and, you know, as an organization, not just Sean, but as an organization, we all felt, not Terry Pagula, but as an organization, we all felt it wasn't time to take a quarterback. We, were, we just didn't feel confident on any of those guys. And the staff was new. He was still hiring people. So certain situations dictate that. And um, it's almost like, and we're going to talk about Atlanta and Chicago too, because they're in situations with quarterbacks where they, they didn't draft those guys. Those GMs didn't draft those quarterbacks. Um, well, Ritter they did, but we'll talk about Atlanta in a second. But point being, we went with Tyrod, the veteran. Hey, he, he earned that. He showed that he was getting better each year. They made the playoffs that year, you know, regardless of how they got in. That's up for debate. You know, we can talk about all that because they basically were the same record that we were pretty much every year there. <laughs> they, but, you know? but, but they, they, they get all the adulation and the, it's an iconic moment. It, you may post modus. Right? Post modus. Well, if you run a, it, I always said this with a 40 time. Now we're in combine season, but the difference between if you run a 448 and a 450, you would never know who won that race. Like you wouldn't, you and I would look at that. There would be no way to tell between a four, four, eight and a four, five, Oh, but if you tell that person, I ran a four, four and the other guy, I ran a four five. It's, it's that it's a mental thing with these forties. It's like, Oh, he's a four five guy. He's not fast enough. He's a four, four, eight guy. Like that's what we're debating. Yeah. So I guess my point is how you could just spin things. So like basically saying, Hey, we made the playoffs. Did you, or did you just get? Did it just work that way? That eight and eight that year got you in, or whatever it was, nine and seven. Yeah, I mean, eight, year one of Rex. That was when I came back to the Buffalo News, twenty fifteen. Yeah. Which I'm still upset that I didn't take like meticulous notes and keep a diary every day because that is the book. That season was just oh. batshit crazy. You just didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Or you could have just hung with me. If you had just hung with me, well, it would have been the book. I mean, I can remember a training camp at the Pittsburgh pub, hanging out with Fairburn and Rodak, and we're just drinking some beers. And, oh, there's Rex and Doug off in a corner having a serious conversation. We're like, something's going down tomorrow. And, oh, I can't and Polly. Oh, he just beat his slug Geno Smith in the jaw. Bring him aboard. He's in. I mean, that, and that was like what – that was like the 27th craziest thing that might, that happened that year. You know, and there's an example of not being able to let it go. You drafted him in, with the Jets. He wasn't a good player. He was a headache. We didn't, we, no, nobody thought he was a really, he was a late round pick. Like he wasn't a good player. So you're going to bring him because you're just that, like, I want to be right. I was right on this guy. Like I'll get the best out of him. No, you won't. Those little things really did kind of compound, right? I mean, it all, it's all about quarterback, obviously, but it's simplistic to just say it's all about quarterback, too. That that team, yeah. there were so many, like, 
And I get, you right and I get that, Doug Tyler. Whaley wanting to give Rex his pieces, right? I mean, that's what a good GM does. You you want this piece for your defense? Let's, let's get him. Um, uh, check the draft. The all the the first three picks were was that the Shaq Lawson, Reggie Raglan, Adolphus Washington. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was that. You know, we, we were trying next, to build that, that next draft. That, that next draft, that next that, draft that, was like were, a Rex deep. Yeah, he, because he brought in. You know, they, that was their. You know, so the Adolphus Washington. I mean, was there? Because you guys like Dak Prescott, and you would have taken him in the fourth round, the next round. Where was there? Any, I don't know if I've asked you this because we brought this up a handful of times. Did you guys talk about Dak when you took it off Washington? No, no. We were pretty set. We were pretty set that that fourth. We really felt that that fourth round, um, yeah, was where we were just going to take a shot on that. I remember the group. I'd have to go back and look at the name. I do remember because we had. Well, we ended up taking Cardell Jones. But we we had guys that we valued, you know, in that round. So we felt like somebody would be there. Obviously, Dak was the the name we all talk about. But I'm going to get back to this um this pivot because there's definitely a question I want to ask on like, you know, because you know Shane came up under Bean, yet he didn't follow the same playbook. But real quick on that on that draft, I mean, the Dolphins Washington. What's the conversation like in there when you're just openly talking about soliciting a prostitute? Is it does is it awkward or is it so it was done before no it was it was done it was done before that it was oh, real. So it you was do pretty, all that work we, we did we had lead yeah oh, that's we did all you that asked that him about it you you had it you had him in town talking about it we had we brought him in we brought him into the visit for that 30 visit and to spend time with him and yeah we spent plenty of time with him and Kim Pagula, you know we explained the situation to her and, and went through everything so yeah, probably if, if a guy's honest third, about it, right? You're just at that point, you want honesty. You don't want denial and, you know, somebody saying this didn't really happen when you know, you, you know the facts at that point. You know, when you hear as a kid, it's just easier to be honest, just tell the truth. And you're like, no, I can't, I'm not always going to die. I might. It really is true. Just tell the truth. It. You're just you're just delaying the inevitable. We're going to everybody's going to find out eventually. Just <laughs> Just tell yeah. the truth. But to your point, yes, the, a lot of the players in the draft process realize we're not, to be honest, we're not judging at all. Like, we just want to know. Just tell us what happened and let's move on. Right. So I'd, I'd appreciate that as a, a director of personnel like yourself in that setting. You know, no, a lot of these guys have a lot of red flags. Yeah. Oh. And they, they have to know that, you know, because you've got investigators and scouts on turning every, every stone, every pebble. So it probably best to be honest because I mean, the line, the line is what would, I can even think back way to, to, to Manti Teo. And obviously with the documentary that's come out and we, we know the full backstory. It's like, I mean, you feel for the kid at this point is brutal, but at the time it was more so the, we're thinking this is a deceitful liar. I mean, did he misled everybody? Cause how in the hell could you not know this person didn't exist, Lene Kakua, more than the X, but man, that was complex. I, we're, we're getting off the rails here. Um, okay, so the Bills, have, they had the drought. I just started thinking about all the crazy like draft stories where we literally would spend more time making sure we all had the same story on a player. Well, he told me this, so he told me this. I mean, you we, we really would spend time doing that and not dissecting his talent and just talking about, well, he said he was there that night and the next morning, you know, it was like we it's like, what are we talking about right now? Any anybody come to mind? Like who who do you I remember can, down those I lines? Do. Let me there's a safety from South Carolina State. He ended up being drafted. I'm gonna let me we'll do this for another one. I'll I'll get you the details okay. on it. I gotta bring it back. But when I tell you we spent I could just remember I was a scout for the Saints. And I remember finally, like, to the point where he he was more just a workout wonder. I remember the player too. He was a good, he was a great workout guy. He looked the part, could run, jump, all the good stuff, but just wasn't a natural safety. Um we spent I think we spent so much time on him because his numbers were so good 
physically. And he had this, it was, it was such a stupid story. I'm going to have to go back and think about it, but we spent way too much time dissecting if the story was true or not. And I had spent time with the player, Rick, our our director of scouting for the Saints spent time with the player. We kind of had two different stories at the end of the day. We didn't even really like him as a player. (laughs) Like we're like, we just spent a half hour trying to see who was right on the background. Like, yeah. It's Tyler, you yeah. do background. I mean, as a journalism major, you know, you you want to be right, like on your fact check. Yeah. You know? So anyway, that was that was but he wasn't any good. So it's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> and, and that happens. And then the rest of the draft room was looking, you know, the other scouts were like, come on, guys, like, let's go here. Let's but yeah, it gets but those stories, I guess I know we did get off the rails a little bit, but that's for that's coming up. It's draft season. That's why I'm thinking about it too. It's like well, I, I think people would rather hear those stories than you know anything. Well, so feel free to go off those rails anytime you want, Jim. I'm not gonna stop you. <laughs> we'll get some good ones. We get some good at Adolphus Washington, as we had him rated as like the top rated defensive lineman in the draft. After yeah. Rex. Oh, Rex. Whatever. Hey, you know, the, have... the Janor- Janoris Jenkins pops to mind. That would have been like 2012, 2013. I remember doing a big story on oh. him at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Oh. Man, he had – his background was wild. Do you remember much about Janoris Jenkins? I was the area scout. I was still in the southeast back then. That would have been – yeah, because he, he was at Florida, kind of got Florida. the boot there. I knew everything about him. And guess what? That is a guy you do need to spend time on because <laughs> that's a top 10 pick. He was yes. his, his, his talent was, that was, I went and saw him play. He went to North Alabama that year. North We're Alabama. really off the rails right now. I don't know. I feel bad that's if you want fine. to do this, but he, uh, I can remember going to see him play at North Alabama. His attitude was terrible. He, he did, he could tell he was just, finding a way through life at that point you know you go from think about where he was at where he you know not a lot of it's his fault but man he looked checked out and i'm just wondering man i don't know if he's gonna like is he gonna be able to stay out of trouble you know because different life going from florida to north alabama so this was um oh the talent was unbelievable it was you don't find corners like it's hard to find corners with his combination of everything, his feet, his explosion, yeah. speed, good ball skills. He was a complete corner. He, he didn't have ideal size, but he was cover-wise, everything you want. Changed his name to Jack Rabbit. He played last year a little bit for San Francisco. I, <laughs> he was I still know. kicking around. That's unbelievable. I swear he was. I swear some guys just <laughs> he's, still, he's been in the NFL for a decade. That's That's, that's incredible. 27 Wait. interceptions. 124 passes defense. Um, and I don't even, you know, made a pro you know it's funny, Tyler? I don't even remember why he had to leave Florida. I don't even remember what the issue was. Well, so, uh, yeah, this this has become a Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins podcast. But I found I found that story I wrote. This is back in 2012. Real quick, um, I'll just, I'll just read the lead here. You did the story on him? Yeah, yeah. So I was at the Combine in Indianapolis, and that would have been 2012. Yeah, and I remember talking to him then. So back then, it was at the stadium. It was a little more intimate. You could really get to know mm-hmm. these prospects. I remember sitting at the table right with him, and there might have been one or two other reporters there, if if any. Uh, so I the the access was great. So here's here's what I wrote. Uh, this was probably the most awkward ten minute media session in NFL scouting combine history. It's the first sentence. At about 11.30 a.m. last Sunday, Janoris Jenkins' testimony began. The cornerback's attempt at resurrection was intercepted by reality at every turn. He's done with drugs. Finished. How many arrests? There were three. Jenkins was caught twice for marijuana possession in a three-month span and also was tasered in a bar fight. Florida slided under the rug. Florida kicked him off the team, and he transferred to North Alabama. He wants to provide for his kids. How many children does he have? Four. All three-year-olds and younger. There's Janoris Jr., Janorian, legend in Paris. Jenkins swears he'll never touch dope again. He promises he cut off the friends that lured him to dope, and National Football League teams, he said, have appreciated the candor. They see the talent, Jenkins says. They just want to know what kind of kid I am. I came in here to show them I'm not a bad kid. I made a few mistakes, and I learned from them. Everything I did, I'm admitting to it. Where is it? 
You know, it's amazing. So this was this was a larger article. That's right on just off the field issues. But there was, you know what? Okay, so that was Janoris Jenkins. I'm getting him. <laughs> My memory's blurring. I talked to Cliff Harris in this story too. I don't remember Cliff Harris. He's the one who went 118 miles an hour on the interstate with a suspended license at 4:30 a.m. and yeah, that's that the patrolman pulled him over. It was all on camera. And he he asked him, who's got marijuana in the car? And Harris replied, we smoked it all. <laughs> so that was Cliff Harris. I'm getting Cliff Harris and Janoris Jenkins mixed up now. That's right. So basically, though, think about what we just talked about. Marijuana. This was 2012. Right, right. That was right. Janoris, now that I think back to it, Janoris Jenkins, not exactly as... Wait, ridiculous what? in retrospect. I want to say, did Urban Meyer have an issue with Janoris Jenkins smoking? Urban well, Meyer. Pro- but you know what, though? If he, as, no, as, you know, as Stephen A says, maybe he couldn't get off the weed. I mean, maybe no. it really was a persistent problem. Back then it was, it because it was by, no, it was suspensions. I mean, you, they were tested suspensions. It was, it was definitely more strict back then. It was, it was a thing. I mean, I'm just laughing, yeah. thinking about like, there's no way they even talk about that in draft meetings. I know, but it's, I guess it's been 12 years. I'm getting I'm getting Janoris, Jack Rabbit, and Cliff Harris. Cliff, I mean, Cliff Harris was really talented. He went to Oregon. I don't think nothing really. Oh no, came I remember. His the, I didn't scout him, but I do remember the the conversations and yeah, I remember the talent. I didn't see this. Yeah. I didn't see this going this way this morning. Janoris Jenkins, Cliff Harris. We got some. I didn't see it going this way. <coughs> Man. Yeah, you know what it's telling family of drag racers, he said. Free agency free agency may not be as exciting as as sometimes it gets built up to be as far as the impact of free agency. Because we're talking about the I know. 2012. <laughs> I, know, I know. Yeah. That's fine. All right. No, I love okay, it. So I love it. Because I, I don't believe there are that many impactful free agent signings, really. Um but anyway. I do want to rapid to, fire those. But let's well, let's, let's go, go back, back to, to the so the Bills and the drought, right? So they they go nine and seven with Tyrod the Taylor. Perception, the perception of Luke. nine and seven, basically. Yeah. Exactly. And this because this is what kind of fascinates me is, you know, so at that point, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, Joe Shane, I mean, that they kind of have their crew mm-hmm. all set. And the drought, nine and seven, Tyrod Taylor, not that different of a team than what you guys had the two years prior, all of that. And they lose 10 to three to Jacksonville. And it was quick that decision at quarterback to move on from Tyrod, like very obvious. This is a team that will be drafting a quarterback. I think they signed AJ McCarron that off season, Nate Peterman's kicking around, but you know, they're, they're making moves. Corey Glenn is packaged to move up. They were, they had the extra first round pick thanks to the the Patrick Mahomes trade the year prior, but very actively move up in the draft to take Josh Allen over Josh Rosen, which there's the decision right there. You screw that up. Everybody's fired. And this is who, who the hell knows where the bills are at this point. Um, but that, that was the playbook that was followed by those bills. And, and Joe Shane is there for it all. Fast forward five years to when he's the general manager and not, I mean, Ty, Tyrod Taylor's the backup, by the way, which is kind of funny. Daniel Jones gets you nine wins. You get to the playoffs. Now you win a playoff game. You do, you do win a playoff game, but the divisional playoff round loss to Philly was ugly. I mean, it was really bad. I think with 38 to seven, it was over from the word go. It would have been very easy for the, now, now granted, they don't, they don't have that extra first rounder in the back pocket. They don't really have a Cordy Glenn at left tackle to dangle in a trade. Maybe that does factor into this all. You know, the ammo isn't there to aggressively fight your way into the top five to get a quarterback. But Daniel Jones and the Giants get a deal done. Um, I do think Daniel Jones is much better than Tyrod Taylor. I don't know if we agree, disagree there. I I do think he's just a better quarterback. So the, the, the conversation is... That's its own conversation, but philosophically, I think it says a lot that he he could have easily just done the same thing and said no. No, that, that year, yeah, we 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 won more games than we ever thought we would. 
but it doesn't change our plans. We're going to still try to tear this thing down. If we got to go six and 10, six and 11 for one year to get good, so be it. But they didn't. They're going for it. They're trying to win now. Jones, Barkley, Waller, running back Sterling Shepard, Hodgins, uh, Darius Slayton. They, they signed a really athletic linebacker from the Colts. So they're trying to win, right? I mean, and that, that's a way to go about it too. Which, is, there, is there a route that's better? What would you And what would you have done if you were in the Giants' position? Exactly what they did. And we talked about that, so we're documented on that from Go Long. We both said they had to keep Daniel Jones. You have to. He, you can't find you. You made the playoffs with him. That's your, you know, that's hard to find a starting quarterback that you're making the playoffs with, and you believe that you've seen enough in him to work with him. We can spin this the other way too, where Tyler, I've never seen a quarterback that the the public in general, I feel like, has made more excuses for and is rooting for, and is get. It doesn't usually take this long to figure out if a quarterback is good or not. Um, as far as Josh Allen in year three was pretty much, we, we saw an MVP. We're now entering year. What year is this for Daniel Jones? I mean, we are sitting here now. Now it used to be, it was the offensive line, which is always the first excuse everybody uses for a quarterback. The offensive line is not good enough. Okay. We use that one. Now we, Saquon Barkley was hurt. Now he's back. Uh, oh, now all the receivers are hurt. Oh, now we have a new offense coordinator, so you got to give him time. I mean, the excuse – I've just never seen a quarterback get this many chances. It's time now. Like, you got your contract. You got money. You made the playoffs this year. No more excuses. I, that's all I'm asking. No more excuses for Daniel Jones. I want to see him. Uh, they're, they're setting the plate. They're setting the table for him. It's time for him to step up. I, I agree. Usually you kind of know if a quarterback has it or not, regardless right. of variables and circumstances. Um, I guess I really view Brian Dable in his own class of innovation and think he is the best offensive coach in the league. At some point, the Bills may really, really regret letting him leave the building that 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 could be a blunder of all blunders because I, I, I those think are all those are all very valid points i agree with all that so you know thinking about brian dable through that prism it's kind of like well th- this is his second year with dable this is i get it you don't want to hear it you know second no, year in the system and, no but, i do i'm saying we, we, I'm okay with it. I'm just saying, I don't want any, no more. I'm just asking for no more. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I'm, cause it is, it, they're, they're actually kind of true. I mean, it is your second year in a new offense. I, I, I I'm a And if he believes in him, then, 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 yes. then I trust him. I mean, he's, and I'm with you on that. He, saw, he was with Josh Allen all those years and we've again. seen what happens. And Josh Allen was good last year. I mean, he was obviously, they, they won 13 games. It's numbers were, I, were great there it was a, a lot of big plays but he it was different i mean you can you still can see the impact out, of this coach but you can only find out how how much a coach really does love that quarterback depending on what his options are as far as to acquire another quarterback <laughs> because i don't the giants didn't really have any i mean they weren't going to be able to go get a quarterback this year i mean there were no better options than daniel jones so Sometimes you get, you know, you'll get tested real quick to find out. Uh, oh, I know what I wanted to tell you is be, being out in Vegas before I forget, because we talked about it on the last time we did a pod on Jimmy. We, we somehow talked about Jimmy Garoppolo a lot, that free agent signing by the Vegas Raiders. Yeah, we apologize to our listeners and viewers well, for that. This is the best. We, we, we spent too much time on that because here's the reason. After they signed Garoppolo, the sports book, their odds got worse to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh. So you know how like you don't have to do the grade. You know how people grade free agents in drafts, A, B, C, D. You don't need to do grades. Check the Vegas odds. Those guys know. So they, they didn't do, value but like that the, the Jets Super Bowl odds are incredible. They're like like fourth or fifth. Am I wrong? I was shocked that like this Aaron, Vegas likes Aaron Rodgers. We talked about this too, but if this is the ultimate Aaron Rodgers can either go down in history as 
he got the Jets to the Super Bowl. I mean, it would be the greatest thing he'd ever did in his career, really. Last I don't point on the Giants. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Last point on the Giants is I think that where they are right now is really similar. They hope, right? This is their thinking to where the Kansas City Chiefs were, Andy Reid, Alex Smith. Like the parallels between Daniel Jones and Alex Smith, e- eerie. I mean, re- really, really similar where you're going through all this of these good. offensive like coordinators, like high pick, mm-hmm. turnovers, turnover. Reed, it just, just, yeah. Your career kind of starts in this just mess, yet you get a good coach. Good. You start performing. You're, you fi- you find yourself. At, they're both pretty athletic. They both can run. Um, they even throw kind of similar, even the way they They're very similar. Kind of, they really yeah, are. Yeah, and guess what? And, and they, they also have a ceiling. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Alex Smith had his ceiling. He got no, you're right. to the That's playoffs. He made the Pro Bowl. Um, he was safe with the football, very similar quarterbacks. And I give the Chiefs credit because it, they, they knew that they had to get better. They had to challenge themselves to get better. And they, they waited till that exact moment to strike with you guys, with the Patrick Mahomes trade and acquiring Mahomes. And then that's the beauty of that pick because you had Alex Smith. He could sit an entire season. And then by the time you just – you know, unleashed him onto the NFL. He was the best player in the NFL instantly. So it's easy to say, right? Yeah, just go draft Patrick Mahomes. I know, but I'll I'll trust like Dable and even Shane and their coaching staff to have the eyeballs to know when that quarterback is going to be available, whether it's 2024, 2025. And this contract with Daniel Jones, it gives you that opportunity to compete, to win right now. You know, he's good. You know, you made the playoffs with him. Doesn't preclude you from proactively finding the next guy. So it's the best of all worlds as far as I'm concerned. The best coaches to me, they max out their talent. And I think that's what Dable can do. He will max out Daniel Jones. Like it's, we already saw the improvement with the turnovers. That was probably the biggest difference I was thinking about with Alex Smith and Daniel Jones is the turnovers. And Jones had, you know, he cut back on that this year. That's coaching. That matter. We talk about coaching matters. Coaching matters. And that's where that's where you're right. We got to trust. We've seen it now. Dable has. But it's never, man, like we know, though, it's year to year, week to week in the NFL. And it's just never is going to be as easy. Like there'll be something that, that the Giants don't see coming. Every team that you, you think yeah. you've you planned the whole offseason. OK, we did this. We improved here. We got to do this. Then the season starts. You're like, hmm, man, I. That guy's not playing as well as he did last year. We weren't, you know, it's like, now we got to go get that, you know, now we got to replace him. I mean, there's always something that comes up. But I love, I love the differences in teams, how they approach free agency. That's Doug Whaley. Doug Whaley taught me a lot about uh, free agency because that was kind of, he was very, he, he was strong in that win Pittsburgh. And I'm pretty much a, I need sometimes to be talked out of a guy. Like when I see a guy, I'm like, like per, I will, I'm not gonna lie, Percy Harvin. He could have asked for anything he wanted that year. I would have, I would have said, please, can we sign him? I don't care what he wants. Like I wanted Percy Harvin on the Bills. I, I can remember sitting next to Kim Pagula, and, and I was like, it's a lot. I can remember her just saying, "You guys really like him. Like, let's get him." I was like, "Thanks, Kim. I like that attitude." Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I wanted, but. But Doug in free agency coming from Pittsburgh, they had a very, you know, Doug always said, let the dust settle, let the dust settle, you know, let, let it settle. Let's see who's out there. Let's get some value. And I believe that is the way to go. You know, I think the bills did it with Mario Williams. Right. I mean, and it wasn't that Mario wasn't worthy of it. I mean, the guy was obviously one of the best defensive ends every year he played, but what's the impact on defensive end? Khalil Mack, you know, he's probably one of the – he's probably the best defensive end I've ever scouted. I'm not sure what his impact is right now in his career. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. You could be a Hall of Fame talent, and it might not even matter. It, it's, it's So I guess my point with free agent, it's like 
what really matters in free agency. And I think it always goes back to quarterback anyway, but. Well, but I we want to get, that's a really good segue into our next point because it's that you see it every year, but that's usually the best way to go about it. I mean, Percy Harvin to, to give credit, I was there at training camp, the preseason games. And then that first month of the season, unbelievable. He looked Tyler. like, he was going to have a career year in 2015 with the Bills. I'm going to tell you why scouting is so hard. You, Shady McCoy is probably my favorite running back I've ever scouted. And Percy Harvin might be my favorite receiver I ever scouted. And I'm sitting there working for the Bills, and they're both on the on the field. Too. I'm like, I'm thinking, you know what? I've done, I, I can't do much more than this. As far as like, I this is, this is talent to me. These are – these are super superstars. Not that everybody didn't know they were. I'm not saying that I was the only person that thought they were talented. Everybody thinks that those guys were talented, but the fact that they were on the team I was working for with made me feel happy. I was like, man, that offense looked loaded. It did. That anyway, Miami we got Ray. We also down in Miami week week two or week three. He had a touchdown from Tyrod yeah. right sideline, and it's, and then he just vanish like literally just vanish he was gone i could it's yeah that's long history of percy like that like i always tell you the best 30 for 30 we <coughs> ever watched would be the the university of florida those years it, percy was i mean I, we know we aaron hernandez but i'm telling you percy was one of the hardest guys to scout as far as getting information on people wanted to tell you a lot of things and a lot of it had to do with his mental health. And that was a, you know, it's a touchy people don't want to, you don't want to talk about that, you know, to, to people like, you know, to, to employers. So mental health was real. I mean, think about what, I mean, I think about that Florida team, just with Aaron Hernandez, Percy Harvin, what they dealt with mentally. Amazing. Yeah, give but me anyway, I didn't want to. I'm sorry. We're all any of these other ones. We need this. that. We need that one. I mean, that would be an incredible doc. <laughs> oh, it would be. That's a movie. The heck with thirty for thirty. Right. Go straight to Somebody Hollywood. Needs, that needs Hollywood. That needs Hollywood attention. It was that. Tim like, Tebow. Tebow. Brandon Spikes. Urban Meyer is the ultimate like Al Pacino character in every bad football movie you've ever seen. When Pacino's that bad coach or whatever, but. Urban Meyer was whoever, whatever actor you want to play him. Mobster, villain. <laughs> and I don't want, I want the NFL and Urban himself and all these people need to like stay miles away. They can't, they can't have influence over editorial content, right? I mean, we, we need like private investigators to get the real stories of what happened with that team. And then that Michael Jordan, because no, it can't be sanitized. Like, can't be like Jordan approving everything on that documentary. Right, right. It can't be like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my All God. right, Tyler, we went, now we went officially. You got me going on <laughs> and don't get me started on Shady and Percy because I, I, I can't even talk about those guys, how they were the man. It was fun to go to practice every day. It was fun to cover training camp. I mean that that's what was great about those Rex teams is Tyler, that team I'll give I'll give Rex this. He just didn't he didn't take himself and he didn't take us. He didn't take anybody too seriously. No, no. There were there were there were no sticks up asses with anybody involved with that team, which was refreshing. It was just I remember writing stories. You guys would have practice, you know, there'd be you could request players, talk to them afterwards, and then I mean I'm talking to um Mario Butler just on his way to the cafeteria about his dad i mean remember like so unbelievably tragic Tragic. literally chopped to pieces and then put in his own refrigerator like just to even say that out loud is no i just but i'm just saying like the setting itself was conducive to storytelling you could just hang out with guys on campus i mean richie incognito's hanging out there it was it it was it, it, it made the job fun and you know didn't last long but he, I, I give Rex credit. He loved evaluating talent. He loved playing rookies. He loved the draft. He loved free agency. I think Rex is, a, I think he was unbelievable. I, he can evaluate. Like he loves it. He's passionate. Um, 
you know, things that were mix. The scheme was, and the personnel was a bad it was mix. A tough, it, was just, it was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. I, I think about it a lot. It was as far as like, it just was not set up for success. All right, though, your point on yeah. like, I should say Doug, Doug Whaley's point on kind of letting that dust settle in free agency. We saw yeah. that this year. We, we saw it this week where, you know, I want to, here's a team in the Atlanta Falcons, which I, I get it. You know, I, I championed Jacksonville last year because I thought that those were signings they had to make. You know, Foye Oluokan, um, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones. You you have all of this money to spend. It's stupid to not spend it. The big caveat being you've got Trevor Lawrence. You've got this number one overall pick of a talent at quarterback who now has Doug Peterson instead of Urban Meyer. So that to me that that's the trigger. Like okay, you you've got the hard work done, the hard part done. Go spend. Get him some talent. Go. I mean, the Calvin Ridley trade looks unbelievable now with how weak this free agent class is at wide receiver. Trent Balky, Doug Peterson, well done there getting Calvin Ridley. Uh so, you know, I part of me does get the urge and the value of just spending money, you know, those first yeah. 48 hours. But maybe not when you're Atlanta. Maybe not when you're Desmond Ritter as your quarterback. I mean, it's um, and we'll see. How, and I, this isn't even a knock on some of the players they signed. I mean, Jesse Bates, he is one of the best safeties in the NFL. He helped kind of change everything in Cincinnati. But I mean, he got a lot of money. I've got the figures here. One second, Jim. Here, what yes. I can tell you about Atlanta and free agency: Terry Fontenot. This is where he cut his teeth in the NFL was on free agency in the pro scouting department. Okay. He loves this time of year and he pays very close attention to, he's really good detailed wise with money as well. He also hired Ryan Pace right away from the Chicago bears who Ryan Pace was, was Terry Fontenot's um, direct. He was Terry Fontenot's boss in new Orleans. Um, And Ryan Pace was a pro scout his whole career. They weren't on the college side. Like those guys weren't out scouting colleges i always found that interesting um anyway i can the falcons i can tell you're going to be very uh prepared for free agency like they're going to be they won't be overspending i don't think i I feel like they're going to be good with their money that's okay well then i want your perspective on this because here's what they did they they made chris lindstrom their guard yep good player Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, very good player. No, I know. They, yeah. they set, they reset the offensive guard <laughs> market. About this. Five years, 105 million. This is off of his first Pro Bowl season. So that's more money than, than Quentin Nelson, you know, the, the Colts mauling guard. I don't, I don't really just spend hours upon hours just studying Chris Lindstrom tape. So maybe, hey, maybe he is. No a foundational piece no. for your team, but he's, but he's a guard. That's a lot of money for a guard when you don't know if you really have the quarterback yet. Jesse Bates, love him. Uh, gosh, he had 14 picks with the Bengals since 2018 playmaker tough in the first, the run leader, man, four years, 64 mil. I mean, these are contracts that kind of flew off. And then you, you trade for Jeanu Smith. You're taking on the back two years of his really bad contract now with new England. When you have Kyle Pitts, I mean, at, at oh. some point you're going to have to pay Pitts. I, I I would think, right. You, you, you took him over a lot of really good players. He's a stud. You have to use him this year. I'm all, I'm all yeah. in on Kyle Pitts. I think he's a better blocker than people think. Uh, but you're now, now you're kind of taking on some tight end salary. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time following the order of operations and it's always going to be imperfect. And ideally you just, you, you find your quarterback and then you do what Jacksonville did, but what's their plan at, at quarterback? I mean, and then they signed Taylor, Taylor Heineke, right? I, we, we love Heineke. He is a go long, all go long, all old school team He's, member for life. He love Heineke. We do love him. We do love him. And I think honestly, right now he he beats out Ritter for the job if it's a competition. Tyler, I was. But what's just the? Say, I guess what's the plan? What's the plan? Okay, here? I was just going to say that would be their, I think, nightmare scenario if Heineke is better than Ritter. 
I, I do. I, Heineke to me screams, I think we know enough. He is a backup quarterback in the NFL. You're not building your future with Heineke. You can't sell to your owner that, hey, this is, we think he's going to take us into the next. No. Now, Ritter, you can still sell. Hey, this is why, Tyler, this is why they are where they are. And they're, as far as Terry Fonda is the GM, the owner trusts him to make decisions like this. We don't have enough to evaluate Ritter for us on the outside looking in. I haven't, what I saw of Ritter didn't look like anything that was, um, when Mahomes got that little chance of that one game in his rookie year, did he not like just look ready to play and out of control already as far as what, what we we're about to see? Like Ritter didn't do much to say, wow, but they're, they're with him every day. They put the time to invest and drafted him. So they believe in him. And this is why as an owner, you trust your GM. I have a tough Eighth time. overall pick? I have a tough time. Do you time think that they, they try to find a quarterback in the draft still? This is where I would love to know, yeah. Is Ritter really the guy? And especially knowing that they passed on Justin Fields with who, who regardless of what we've talked about him as far as, yeah, we, we know his flaws too. But regardless of that, man, he, he brings right away. He puts that – we always talk about that the teammates have to want they have to believe in the quarterback. Once the other players believe in that quarterback, you got the right guy. Those the, the defense, the players on defense for the Chicago Bears, what they saw Fields do last year, and the offensive line, the way Fields would take hits, sell out his body for that team that had no chance of making the playoffs. And Fields was still out there doing that. Fields won, he can win the locker room for sure. You know, guys like that, and that's I have a tough time. I still can't believe the Falcons didn't want him, knowing he's from there. Like, I just keep thinking about him in Atlanta. But that being said, I think Man, they're definitely from there. It, it checks. Oh, my gosh. It's just – I know we shouldn't they care have about to the be. marketing right, and the Tyler. business side of things, but it that's the cherry on top. But Atlanta has to – this has to be quarterback. It has to be. Ritter and Heineke, that screams back up. Yet you're at number eight overall, and yeah, you know those quarterbacks are going to go fast. I mean, it, it's probably going to go one, two, three, even if if there's a, a coach out there that sees Anthony Richardson and says, "I will turn him into Josh Allen," uh, and then Levis probably goes before eight too. I they they'd have to make a move up to get one of those guys from eight, and. Maybe they do. I mean, they, they still could, I suppose. They, they've, they've said a lot of really nice things about Desmond Ritter, for what it's worth. <laughs> you never really know what that means. Uh, you know you Terry Fonda, though. What we say earlier on the show, you only know when, depending on your options. Desmond Ritter is about to find out how much Atlanta really believes in him. He is. It's a, that's a really um, – you know, d- difficult market to, I mean, such a transient city. I, even when Atlanta went to the Super Bowl, I remember covering them a handful of times at Bleach Report, that stretch run. And it's, there's just not a lot of hardcore Falcon fans. You're an SEC country. Um, I guess my point being that Justin Fields would have been perfect. You, know, you had the time to develop, the time to let him get to the point he's at now. And, you would have had money to spend. I feel a little more confident spending all this money around a Justin Fields than a Desmond Ritter right now if I'm Atlanta. Hey, I love tight ends, right? I mean, I talked to Kyle Pitts for a story last year at Go Long. There's no knock on him. I, I Unbelievable talent if he's used correctly. But you still need the quarterback. And we'll see. We'll see with Ritter. And I don't even want to say a bad a bad word about him quite yet because I, I guess I don't really know. It's just very very rare that a third or fourth round pick becomes a franchise quarterback. You just don't see it. I, it's not the plan. It can't be the plan. Yeah. All right. Any other deals? I like we said it was it was a pretty blah free agency week, but there was there were still a handful of things 
I mean, we're still waiting on Lamar Jackson. We've we've hit on that. Don't understand why we're all waiting on that when I saw this the other day, Jim. Lamar Jackson, 45 and 16 as a starter in the Ravens average 28 points per game when he's on the field. Without Lamar Jackson, eight and 13, 20 points per game. He's the fastest player in NFL history to hit 100 passing touchdowns and 4,000 rushing yards, a full 31 games faster than Randall Cunningham. Everything's on his his side. And for all of the overthinking and overanalyzing, and you hit on some of it that teams get into on this podcast, uh, why are we, why are we overthinking this one? Why are we overanalyzing this one? Maybe, you know, I think Michael Lombardi floated this as a proposal. I like this. Maybe the middle ground, and I, I think the Ravens and Lamar are past the point of compromise. I mean, rightfully so. He doesn't have an agent, so he's hearing all the bad shit about his own game directly from his employer. I can't imagine what that's like for Lamar Jackson. The relationship, it might be kind of, you know, stained beyond repair at this point. But if it's not, if there's still a chance, why not? Gosh, like three years of guaranteed money. Three years at least 50 million a year, fully guaranteed. All right, maybe it's not the five, which I would pay him without even blinking. Mm-hmm. You know, with all the unknowns in the NFL, give me the unknown of a Lamar Jackson injury in December. I'm with you. But th- three years of guaranteed money. Why why wouldn't a team do that? Right? I like it. I like that. Yeah, I, to me, why wouldn't you try everything? <laughs> Anything that makes sense. I guess it's as simple as they just don't want to let the Deshaun Watson set the market. And I, it sounds like a commander sale <laughs> is, is imminent, but it's Dan unreal. Snyder, all it takes is one rogue owner to give the NFL one last middle finger and say, all right, I don't care about your precedent. It's We're trading totally for Lamar. We're giving him whatever he wants, and I'm selling the team to Jeff Bezos or whoever. And that, I mean, when you think about investing and buying things, for a team to have a chance to get the hardest thing to find in sports, a, a franchise quarterback who it's what you it's the hardest thing to find. That's all that's the only way I can say it. Like, I don't know why you're in this business if you don't want him. couple houses down in our neighborhood. They're selling their house. It's the pictures on Zillow look beautiful inside. They've been, they've been redoing that house. I feel like the last three, four years and they'll probably, they're probably going to make bank on it. I mean, it just, it just makes too much sense for Snyder and the commanders. You have all, all the, all of these controversies, all of these lawsuits. There's, there's gosh, that what you're trying to sell the entity that is the Washington commanders has so much bad going for it right now. It, it just makes too much sense to just acquire Lamar Jackson for whatever it costs because it will be peanuts for whatever you actually sell the commanders for. Mm. What, $7 billion, $6 billion? Uh, I know. I feel like an Eric Bieniemy is there. I, 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 Eric Bieniemy would probably love to work with Lamar Jackson. Um, Ron Rivera is the head coach. I mean, he had an unconventional quarterback, obviously, with Cam Newton that they get to a Super Bowl, they go 15 and one. A lot, a lot, a lot makes sense there. And you've got to look at your division. Look at that division. I mean, the, love what the Giants are doing. Philly was in the Super Bowl. Dallas, for better or worse, <laughs> they're going to find a way to stay relevant uh, and win games. Funny how they just point. keep going. We talk about windows closing. Like, yeah. Just look where Dallas is like falling in their division. Like when we just talk about that division right now. It's true. All right. Anyway, yeah. let's let's stop it right there. That was a fun, fun episode. That was good, man. Thank we had some, so much for that went on some <laughs> that went on some rails. That's what we gotta do. I don't know. I like I, I, we'll, we'll get into some of these free agent signings, but you know, I think other podcasts and other websites are meticulously, you know, breaking yeah. down the the pros and cons of a Justin McCray signing for the Carolina Panthers at guard, you know, but we'll, we'll try to hit on the big topics, sprinkle in a little nonsense with a side of airport fodder. 
And I still think we need to grand theft auto people in your neighborhood that don't wave back when you clearly wave, clearly smile, clearly wish them well on their day. If they, if they don't acknowledge you, just, just run them over. It's fine. You have a right to. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll catch you next time.